You're listening to episode 22 of the Copyright and Intellectual Property Podcast. I'm Jason Tucker, and I've settled over a billion dollars in copyright claims for the world's largest studios. Over the last 15 years as the expert pirate hunter, IP problem solver, and enforcer, I have helped shape copyright law, the processes, and the landscape that exists today. So how do you keep your IP organized, protect it from pirates, and make even more money off of your content? With real-life insight the stories from the trenches, this is the Copyright and Intellectual Property Podcast. Do I lose my copyright if I upload to the internet? What else do I know or not know about rights? What should I ask myself before publishing? In this episode, we're going to cover rights, typical issues that come up, and bust some internet myths. We're going to spend some time really focusing on copyrights. When you create a work, it's your work. Now, that work could be a book, a song, a photograph, a picture, a drawing, a video, a course, software, an invention, a brand name. I think you get the idea. In most instances at creation, you own 100% of the rights, and rights are powerful. Now, there are instances where you can create a work and not own the rights. If someone paid you to do that work and you agreed to give that person all ownership, then under most circumstances, it's not your work. That's called a work for hire. This podcast episode is not about work for hire. This podcast episode is about you and your work that you created for you and your ownership and rights in and to that work. There are rare instances where what I'm about to share could be different. It would require lawsuits to change. And since most listeners will never have these issues, we're not going to play the what if game. We're going to talk about your intellectual property rights. How do you get an intellectual property right? Create something. When you create a work in a fixed medium, you have created intellectual property. That intellectual property typically falls into a copyright or a trademark. And when you invent a new process, a patent. Your rights cannot be taken away unless you agree to give them up. They are your rights. So now that you have all of these awesome rights, the first step to protecting those valuable rights is registering the work with the U.S. Copyright Office. A registration gives you options. A registration provides proof of ownership. Now, if you have questions about what a copyright is, a registration, or want more information, you can listen to or read the show notes to episode 11, Understanding Copyrights, IP Facts versus Copyright Myths. A large benefit to registration is being able to use the court system. A work must be registered with the U.S. Copyright Office before you can sue for copyright infringement. You may never file a lawsuit, but why take the option off the table? You're entitled to what's called actual damages, or if you file within the first 90 days of first publication, should you sue, you could receive up to $150,000 per registration and be awarded attorney's fees if you win. A registered library of work is worth substantially more than an unregistered library. Is it worth it? Are you worth it? I would suggest yes, your legacy is worth it, but you're also worth the $55 in 15 to 30 minutes to get it handled. Look, Kim Kardashian recently sued a makeup company for $10 million. The crime, using her image in association with their product without a license. Kim is suing for actual damages, and she and her team are clear about the value of her work. Laura Peterson from Copy That Pops asked the question, what do publishers need to know before you file for a copyright registration? Now, in the show notes, I have a link to our blog post, How to Copyright a Book in Six Easy Steps. But before you file for a registration, you need to QC a few items. And here's two big ones. Does the book contain quotes from another or excerpts from another work that you do not own or have a license for? And I'm seeing this more and more now. If you have quotes from, say, Napoleon Hill or Tony Robbins or Gary Vee, will this affect the registration? 
It could, but there's an easy fix. You just exclude that work when you file for a registration. You still file for a registration and claim ownership over your work, but you have to acknowledge that the work also contains work that's not your work. Now, that can sound complicated, but all it requires is for you to check a box. And again, there's an example in the show notes of what that screen looks like. When you're filing with the U.S. Copyright Office, the sixth section in, it's a tongue twister, is called Limitation of Claim. In bold letters, it reads, if your work does not contain any pre-existing material, click continue to proceed with the rights and permission screen. In your case, in this example, it does contain pre-existing material. So simply check what material you're excluding. The choices are text, artwork, photograph, computer program, or other. You just check one and click continue. It's just that simple. Two, does the book contain images that you do not own or have a license for? In my opinion, If you have images that are not yours, get a license to use the images. If not, license similar images or just get rid of those images. If you leave them in, you could be potentially held liable for copyright infringement. Is it really worth it? Look, in today's market, there's so many ways to get access to databases just filled with images you can license for like next to nothing. So just take that extra step and be safe. The third one I came up was can I use another company's logo in an example? And I threw this question in because it came in from our Facebook group, Intellectual Property HQ Community. One of the members is creating a how-to guide and wanted to know if using logos from companies like Facebook or TikTok on a cover would be okay. The answer, in my opinion, as it was with the attorneys in the group, obviously I'm not an attorney, it's never a good idea to use logos you don't own. The discussion shared that your use of a logo is likely to cause confusion. That's a big one. That's the big barometer of whether or not you're committing trademark infringement. Is your use of the logo likely to cause confusion? If you're using a company logo on a cover or in a prominent way in your material, you should expect to be served with a cease and desist letter or sued for trademark infringement. Now, will it happen? You don't know until you do it, but why even put yourself in that position? Now, it was made clear in the group that you can use their name If you're making a factual statement and an example could be 10 steps to create a hundred thousand person Facebook group, totally okay. If it were me, I would just steer clear of logos and have a disclaimer that says you're not affiliated with that company. This is a good rule of thumb to me. Just do what you can to avoid big issues while still getting your work out to the masses. When is my work published or when is a work published? As it relates to copyrights, again, that being your book, your song, photograph, picture, drawing, video, course, software, once you make that work available for download, distribution, or non-streamed viewing, it has been published. Another way to say it is when you start selling or giving your book away on Amazon, you published your book. If you make a video or a movie and you make that video or movie available for download, be it on a site or sold on DVDs or in a theater, or you uploaded it to display on Facebook or YouTube, you published that video or movie. If you take a picture and offload the SD card to your desktop, that photograph hasn't been published. Until you release that work in one of those downloadable settings, downloadable would also include printed and distributed, it hasn't been published. If you're writing your book and you're just passing that book file back and forth for notes, it hasn't been published. Once you make it public, even if public is behind a password-protected wall, then it has been published. Now, there are incidents or instances when a work could be released to the public and still not been published. I hope that sentence didn't create whiplash. So hear me out. I have clients who live stream, and this relates to streaming, some or all of their work. I have news outlets that live stream events, 
I, I work with live cam companies and cam models who offer live streams for free and for payment. They each stream their work through various platforms. And the live platforms include YouTube and Facebook and Twitch and every major live cam network on the planet, including their own proprietary software. And what happens is that infringers will use technology to record the live stream and turn that recording into a downloadable video file. Then what happens is that same person or company will upload that video file onto a location where they can make money from it. Now, that example is willful copyright infringement, and we deal with it. But as it relates to this, it's interesting to me because it poses a unique question. Well, it poses a unique situation. And that unique situation is that the work is not published. Even though that work could be sitting on a site getting downloaded thousands of times a minute, it hasn't been published. The creator of the work did not intend for that work to be anything but live streamed. Not saved, just live streamed. Streamed work that is not intended to be made into a fixed medium is not published. So just because the infringer made it so doesn't make it published. Okay, moving on. Did you give up ownership by uploading to YouTube, Facebook, or Twitter? The answer is no, you didn't. What you did was grant YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter a license to display the work for you. YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter are internet service providers. And while on topic, so is Amazon and Udemy and Teachable and really any platform whose sole job is to carry the work for you. None of the companies I listed out are responsible for the work or subject matter of the work. Their only job is to make the work you put on their networks available to view and share. You didn't give up any rights. You didn't give up any ownership. You don't give up any rights when you upload. In the act of uploading the work to their network, at no time did you give up any rights to the work. In this moment right now, you still own 100% of the ownership and 100% of the rights. All you did was grant a non-exclusive license to them so they could display the content for you. That's it. They can't sell it without your permission. They can't sell any rights to anyone. When you choose to give up rights, that's when you lose some rights. Typically, rights are conveyed via an agreement, and they fall into one of two buckets, either exclusive or non-exclusive. And you may want to take a listen to episode 16 if this is of interest to you. It's called How to Get a Proper License Agreement, Learn Terminology, and Hear Horror Stories. If you're going to start licensing rights, it's a good point A episode. Okay, so bucket A is exclusive, meaning the licensee, the person or entity that you're giving all rights to, is the only one who can do anything with the content within the parameters you agreed to. Bucket B is non-exclusive, meaning they can use it within the parameters you agreed to, and so can anyone else you as the owner grant a license to. So to tie this together, you grant Amazon a limited license to display and sell that book for you. You grant YouTube a non-exclusive right to display your video. You grant Facebook a non-exclusive license to display your family photograph. You may grant Netflix an exclusive broadcast license for a period of time for your movie. All right, so we're going to move on to fair use and ownership rights. Fair use is a commonly used term, and I think it's highly misunderstood, and it can be complicated to determine. It's hard to determine because fair use is nothing more than a defense to a copyright infringement claim or trademark infringement claim, actually any infringement claim. Let's say that sentence again. It's hard to determine because fair use is nothing more than a defense to an infringement claim. That works. A simple example of fair use is when you share a post a friend makes on Facebook, it's fair use. Or if you embed a link to a video from YouTube, 
again, fair use. I would suggest that it's a waste of time to argue about fair use. If you want to see how much time is wasted arguing this point, go check out and drill into hashtag fair use on Twitter. Why is it a waste of time to argue about fair use? Again, fair use is simply a defense to an infringement claim. There is no special card granted for all times. So unless someone is suing you or you're suing someone else for infringement, typing fair use is really just a waste of keystrokes, uh, in my opinion. The questions you should ask yourself are, could this be fair use? Am I prepared to sue them if they don't take my work down after I send a takedown notice? If the answer is I'm not going to sue them, well then, we don't need to keep talking about that point. Thinking free could buy a lawsuit. There are a vocal group of people who have a warped sense of what fair use should be, and they like sharing it with the rest of the internet. I received DMs on Twitter and Skype Uh, and other sources from what I would call some confused people. And their level of confusion and frustration is is, is projected with, uh, let's say, high emotion and colorful language. The latest I got was informing me that I was totally wrong because once you upload anything onto the internet, it's free. Hear that. Some people believe that if you upload content onto the internet, then it's free for all to use that content. Some believe that if they find content on the internet, and they don't have a license from the owner or any permission or pay for the use, that they can do whatever they want with it. And that's simply not true. Not even a little bit true. My entire business, or a lot of it, is based around the fact that some people just think they can get away with that, and that's not okay. If you take and use someone else's content, especially in association with your work without permission, it's highly probable you're committing copyright infringement. To say it another way, if someone takes your content and uses it without your permission, there's a strong chance they could be committing copyright infringement. Can you infringe on your own copyright? Believe it or not, yes, you can. And here's how. If you grant someone exclusive rights through a license agreement and then you go use the work, you you could be held liable for copyright infringement. By granting someone exclusive rights, you've given them the exclusive right to use that work. Now, there are a few instances where you can grant an exclusive right and use the work, but if that's your intention, I would suggest listing that intention in any agreement you put together with the other party. Again, rule of thumb, just be smart and safe. So in summary, in closing, your rights are your rights and you control them. Register your work as soon as you can with the U.S. Copyright Office for added protection. Uploading to the internet does not require you to give up ownership. If you're using work from another, give them credit and license it if you can, if it relates specifically, if it relates to images or large sections of the work. If you want to avoid getting shut down or sued or both, license the work. Again, uh, if, if that work is going to be in association with your work, again, I'm going to say it again because it's worth it, especially if it's images. Look, go big, release your work. Just take a few extra steps and ask yourself the questions in this podcast episode. They're in the show notes. I hope this helps you as you continue to create and publish your work. Listen to our other podcast episodes for additional tips and tools to support you. If you have questions or want to share your experiences, you can join and post inside of our free Facebook group at Intellectual Property HQ Community. You can follow me on Twitter at Intel Prop HQ. 
If this podcast episode or blog post is informative or helpful to you in your endeavors, please subscribe and share it with your friends. I just, I think together we can just help as many people as we can. And I think that's awesome. Also, if you can, please take a moment and leave us a review on iTunes. Happy hunting. Jason Tucker is not an attorney. All of the information shared on this free podcast is his opinion and not legal advice. Be sure to subscribe and rate the show on iTunes. See you next time. Oh,